Hello, everybody, and welcome to our UFC 262 post show. I'm John Pollock, joined as always by Phil Chair Talk, who is with me to talk about tonight's card from a packed Toyota Center in Houston, Texas, where we almost had as many fights in the stands as we did in the octagon. Phil, the pandemic is over, according to Houston. Uh, yeah, apparently, I mean, and, and the way that some of the fighters were interacting with the crowd, it seemed that way as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, Houston, they're, they're having at it like, uh, Texas, they're, they're just having at it the way that they want and they're able to have a packed house for a UFC event, an exciting UFC yeah. event. I think they coined a new slogan tonight. It was Houston. What problem? <laughs> That's yes. <laughs> How are you, Phil? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, we had a very uh, lively group in the uh, in the Discord today. Uh, there was a ton of people, ton of votes. There seemed to be a lot of interest in this event, which was a little bit surprising because it didn't have uh, the biggest names on uh, on the roster, but uh, but still pretty cool that uh, so many people were interested. Yeah, I would say this is one that. Um, it's kind of been hard during this uh, pandemic to get a good sense of where a pay-per-view is ultimately going to do in terms of numbers. Uh, this would be one that just on its on face value, I wouldn't see being a very high performing card in relation to others. But I think you also just have the novelty of the fact that they're back. There's full crowds. I think that plays some kind of factor in it, but I, I don't think this is going to be one of the bigger shows of the year for, for certain. Yeah, I mean, certainly, the, uh, as I already uh, mentioned, not the biggest names on this card, and it certainly took a hit when it lost uh, Nate Diaz. Um, but uh, sometimes, you know, there's a confluence of things that come together in terms of timing, and it, it seemed, at least in the Discord, that uh, today uh, uh, that it was uh, it worked out. It was pretty popular. Well, that's the only metric we need to go by. Discord yes. discussion. Yes. So how are how are you feeling? Are you are you just like frantic by the time we're starting these post shows? I mean, how um, how calm or uh, full of anxiety are you right now? Like, give us give us a, like on a scale of zero my, to ten. Well, your timing couldn't be worse because I my anxiety is so high because I got the graphic wrong for the title at the top of this stream, and somebody oh informed gosh. me, and so now it's accurate. And so how do I feel? I'm mortified, John. I'm absolutely mortified. But it's all back to normal now. Everything's in line. Uh, normally, by this point, I'm kind of uh, burned out a little bit. But I get, I'm get. i excited to talk to you. And when the fights are good, that energy rolls through. And that is the case right now. So uh, now that the graphic is sort of normal and things are, are back and going uh, good, I'm excited to be here, and uh, I'm calm as a whistle. Are, if our well, whistle's calm, is that the right uh, idiom? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, you know what? In, in our world, whistles. Uh, you know, when you if you're just uh, whistling yourself, that's a very calming mm -hmm. exercise. Okay, okay, I'll take. If it. If I had a whistle and I was just going on it, and you know that could be a bit of a frantic sound, but human whistling—that's a very nice sound, I think. Oh, okay. Well, well. We ain't just whistling Dixie. We've got a UFC uh, 262 post show to do, John. Yes, that would be uh, the second or third segue Phil has tried to make that he <laughs> just wants to get on to the fight. So let us discuss the new UFC lightweight champion, Charles Oliveira. Um, 
Five, 19 seconds of drama, intensity, violence. This was, um, I thought this was like a documentary that we got out of this, uh, Phil. I think like you could do a 30 for 30 on this fight. This was an unbelievable um, changing of momentum between these two. That first round was incredible. Absolutely. I mean, it opened up with uh, a huge shot from uh, Chandler that uh, busted open Oliveira right away. And then, uh, but uh, Oliveira is able to take uh, Chandler's back, secure a body triangle, which Chandler then slams him into. This looks horrible for Chandler. I mean, very it's bad. the worst case scenario before finally he's able to reverse position, get on top, do some incredible damage. Nearly has this fight. I mean, it looked like he had him in a lot of trouble late in the round with about a minute and then finishes, you know, pounding him out. It, it was an incredibly exciting first round. He was in a lot of trouble once he had given up the back. And what Phil was describing when Chandler just explodes out of this body triangle, it was incredible. It was um, just an unbelievable uh feat of strength and athleticism that Chandler was able to display to get out of this. And then on top of that, just starts landing these big shots and wins the round. He comes back and wins the round. I mean, this fight, it started like it was Oliveira coming out with, with the kicks immediately, but then suddenly you get Chandler nailing him with that left. Then we go and Oliveira takes over the fight. And then it's Chandler that comes back. This was just, um, what an amazing round. If you want to go back, like there was zero dead time in this in this round. Every second was of of significant value. Uh yeah, I mean this definitely has uh, the markings of being uh, you know, a contender for round of the year, the fact that it was a title fight and you know went back and forth on the ground action. Um yeah, and and that explosion that Chandler did to get out of the uh body triangle, it it was a calculated explosion. He was waiting for the precise right moment. He was being very calm in a very difficult situation, and he nailed it. Oliveira. So the second round begins, and if you were just uh, exhaling from that first round, boom, the second begins, and Oliveira tags him with this beautiful left hook, and Chandler is rocked, and Oliveira senses it. He storms after him. He's landing right knee, right hands. He throws some knees. Chandler goes down, and he gets finished with strikes. 19 seconds of the second round. Charles Oliveira is your winner. Yeah, I mean, for somebody, I mean, uh, talking about him this week, uh, you know, he started out in the UFC at age 20. That was uh, 11 years ago. He's been headlining uh, main events for six years, um, very up and down at points, but now on an incredible run, all-time submission uh, leader, all-time finish leader now, surpassing Donald Cerrone. Um, just, yeah, a, a really incredible story of somebody who grew up in the UFC and is now at the top of the lightweight division. This is his ninth win in a row. Um, you know, th this longevity... Um, is, you know, he's in very rare company. And as they pointed out on the broadcast, he's only 31 years of age. And as Phil mentioned, he has been in the UFC since August of 2010. He was debuting on the card when John Jones, uh, uh, I won't say unknown John Jones, but certainly, you know, it's pre-title 
uh, John Jones is fighting Vladimir Matyushenko. <laughs> yeah, that's not a name that uh, you've heard uh, mentioned with modern UFC in quite a while. So this sets up, um, first of all, they interviewed both men afterwards. And, you know, Charles Oliveira just left the octagon. He's celebrating with all the people. Um, this was uh, quite the scene in the Toyota Center. And Michael Chandler was also interviewed. He said that they will run this back. And he believes he will be lightweight champion within 12 months. I don't think that's a crazy prediction. Uh, but it's one that, I mean, for Chandler, this was a very tough loss. He's 35 years of age, but he will be in that upper lightweight mix. And immediately after, Phil, like if you are looking at Charles Oliveira as fighting, you know, you can look at many different what-if scenarios, but one of those scenarios that I could see for Chandler next is Justin Gaethje. I mean, that that's really the one that makes sense. Uh, I think Gaethje's pretty much just on the sidelines right now as a, a backup in case uh, uh, Poirier isn't able to fulfill his obligations uh, in July. Um, but if that fight goes on as planned, I definitely think that that will be the one to make. And conversely, for the championship, I think Dustin Poirier wins. It's like rubber stamp that fight. I can't see that fight not being made with, with Poirier and Oliveira. Conor McGregor winning... I can't make any predictions about what Conor McGregor is going to do. Can you see Conor McGregor fighting Charles Oliveira? Do you see that being a very likely scenario if he wins in July? I I do because there's no clear-cut alternative. Anybody he's going to have a fight with is going to be a big fight. And if he gets a win, then that over Poirier, who's everyone who is the number one contender, really, um, then that establishes himself as a champion. And look, I think that for all the bravado that Connor has shown, he knows he has never defended a title in the UFC. And I think that is something that he does want to do. So I do think he would attempt to, to go for it unless some massive other fight presented itself. Yeah, it's honestly, it, it's a scenario that I, I'm seeing as a as a very small one of Conor McGregor being victorious in, in July. I just think that's going to be a very, very tough fight for him. Uh, so close after the last fight with with, with Poirier. Uh, I don't see the, the third fight going much different than the second did. But um, those are your scenarios uh, at lightweight. But for Charles Oliveira, it, it is quite the story of somebody uh, winning a championship at a young age, but so deep into his UFC uh, career as well. But it was a spectacular fight for the time it lasted. I think, um, man, we had two unbelievable fights on the, on this card that I would say would be fight of the year contenders. I think the only reason people would uh, hold up on this one is if you have just a penchant for a fight of the year being longer than five minutes and 19 seconds. But this, this thing was incredible. Yeah, uh, you know, we were debating, you know, what's going to get fight of the night and uh, that hasn't been announced yet. Um, but hey, give everybody a bonus, 75K around. Yeah, they upped the bonuses to uh, 75K tonight. Very, you know, Endeavor goes public and hey, let's uh, let's go from 50 to 75K. Just well, loosen poor, those poor Tony, Poor Tony Ferguson. I mean, we're about to get to. I mean, he's the person who essentially made that happen. And I, I don't think he'll be sniffing a performance bonus tonight. 
Uh, he will not be because he suffered his third consecutive loss, taking on Benil Dariush. And I, you know, certainly I think Ferguson should have been the underdog going into this fight. Um, I was just looking at, you know, if if Tony Ferguson is going to be able to uh, turn back time, this was going to be the fight to do it. It's it's one thing like he was just outclassed by Justin Gaethje. And then the same with Charles Oliveira. I think Benil Dariush, an extremely talented lightweight, but I think this one was really going to tell the tale on where Tony Ferguson's career is going. And it was a pretty sobering answer that he got because he was largely dominated for three rounds. In in the first, it's uh, Dariush sneaking in a lot of left hands that are connecting and then getting Ferguson down. And he... Ferguson was doing well in the sense that he was not allowing Dariush to pass his guard, uh, but also trying to be active off his back with, with elbows. I would say of the three rounds, I guess you could say this was Ferguson's best of the three, if you had to choose. In the second, Ferguson was uh, all too willing to be taken down and was setting up for a Darce, but just Dariush is very calm and defended it well and and popped out, and it was never a threat. And he just took Ferguson apart inside of his guard. And after several escapes by Ferguson, Dariush just immediately would take back a position. And Ferguson just could not get ahead no matter what uh, openings there were. And that led to Dariush going for this heel hook that was locked in tight. And the moment of this fight is Ferguson just leaning back and screaming a referee was completely within their jurisdiction that they could have just called the fight based off of that scream, but mm-hmm. um, it continued. And Ferguson you're actually at- just just you're actually not supposed to like the they tell you like if you scream out in pain that they, they can stop it. That's that's, that's very yep. it's a verbal submission. They can it isn't guaranteed to be, but they they have they're within the right to interpret. It as a verbal submission. So yes. you're, you're totally correct in uh, what you just described. But somehow Ferguson did get out of this, but you know he is well down on the scorecards going into the third, a very important round for Tony Ferguson's career. Uh, and his leg, Phil, it's severely compromised uh, after, uh, you know, after in the post fight, Darius stating that when he had the heel hook, he heard a big pop. Uh, so not good news. Um, this really brought me back to Ken Shamrock and Don Fry when they fought uh, 19 years ago and had a similar situation. And Don Fry was completely wrecked because of that and and not submitting. Uh, in this, you could see Ferguson very wobbly on his legs. Uh, so Dariush alleviated that problem by just taking him and slamming him to the ground and controlled the rest of the fight. He was inside control and then finished in guard. Total dominant performance by Benil Dariush. I did not go 10-8 for any of these rounds. You you could have maybe for the third, but I went 10-9s across the board and had Dariush winning 30-27. But uh, Phil, your scorecard, and uh, maybe talk a bit about um, what impressed you from Dariush first. Um, I think the, the well, my scorecard was 10-9, 10-9, 10-9, so the same as you. Uh, if, if I was going to give any round a 10-8, it would have actually been that second round, but... Um, yeah, yeah, you could have gone, I, I think, like, really, yeah, the second for sure. Um, in terms of what, uh, you know, impressed me, it, it, you know, I was, this is the 
Uh, this is sort of the result I expected. I expected Dariush to be able to control him on the ground. So in that regard, it, I wasn't surprised. But just the complete control that he had, um, his endurance to do that throughout the entire fight. Uh, Tony was a problem. Like, he was busy on the bottom, but he was able to neutralize that completely. Um, standing early in the fight, he was the he was better. He was the one landing. I mean, I don't really recall Tony landing anything. So it was a complete performance, um, and it definitely positions him for a massive fight that should put him in, you know, in line for a title shot. Yeah, for Tony Ferguson, on on the other hand, it's his third loss in a row, and yeah, one where I mean, Phil, you look back at December, he was in a similar situation with with the armbar that he refused to tap uh, with Charles Oliveira. In this case, it was a heel hook. Um, this is probably like a lot of damage that he is also taking in in these fights as well. He is thirty seven years old, and certainly that I I think this really does take him out of the the lightweight contenders for good. And I guess the question becomes like what, what his future will be in the UFC. Yeah. I mean, let's hope he's healthy. Like, let's hope that it's, you know, he can recover. I mean, a heel hook, you know, if, if his knees torn, that's, that's brutal. Um, we've seen people just completely like end their jiu-jitsu careers because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of, but one thing's for sure is he's extremely popular and uh there's uh i do think that there's a lot of massive fights out there for him i think fights with people like jorge masvidal and nate diaz would be the perfect type of fight and generate a lot of interest uh, so he was maybe, probably like the most popular fighter on this card when he came out this arena exploded and they were with him the entire fight um I, I don't think this spells the end of his UFC career. I I still think you can put him in some interesting fights at lightweight, but it, it does get to the question of, you know, what once you are out of title contention, which I believe he is, then it really becomes a question of number one, what is this guy fighting for? And B mm-hmm. is do we put him against like it's the UFC's kind of template is once you're at this stage, it's you're put in positions where it's up and coming fighters that are going to be thrown at you and trying to essentially make a name off of someone like a Tony Ferguson. Like that's the scenario I see him uh, evolving into. Um, I, I, I agree. I do still think that uh, there's a couple of, of, of pretty high profile fights that you can do for him ahead of time before you throw him to somebody who isn't um, a big name that you're trying to make off of him. We continue on, and next fight to talk about was uh, Matt Schnell and Rogerio Bontarin fighting at bantamweight. Uh, but Bontarin, who was a late replacement for Alex Perez, he regularly fights at flyweight and was just uh, knocked out by Kai Kara France back in March, uh, took this fight on short notice. He missed weight at 137 pounds, uh, so he was uh, fined a portion of his purse, but won the fight. Um, you know, the judges all scored it for him. Uh, th- you know, th- this was a fight where, I mean, he he used his striking very effectively, especially early on. He was landing clean. Um, th- there were some close rounds in here. Um, Chanel was... Uh, Absorb. He was able to land a body kick and go high in the second, but then whatever output he had forward in the second kind of was 
overridden by this giant flurry that Bontorin had at the end of the second. And then in the third, uh, Bontorin just unloads on him against the fence. He throws a flying knee, and Matchnell loses his mouth guard in all of this. And referee Kerry Hatley, uh, like, didn't appear to notice it at first. And Matchnell fought the last 90 seconds or so of this fight just with no mouth guard in... Uh, with Bontarine in his guard. So anyway, um, some potential dental work that <laughs> Machnell was flirting with here. And the crowd erupted in fuck Jake Paul chance uh, to end this fight, which resulted in scorecards of 30-27 twice and 29-28 for Bontarine. Yeah, this was an uh, uh, okay fight. It, it didn't get a lot of love uh, in the chat, but I, I think at I think part of it was, you know, it was coming off of another fight that wasn't terribly exciting. And, you know, th th these weren't the biggest names. This was a card that was supposed to have Nate Diaz versus uh, Leon Edwards. And uh, we didn't get that. So uh, a little rough go for these guys. But I, I thought it was a pretty good fight. And, and for Bontarine, I thought he did quite well. Missed weight, short notice. Okay. Um, they're saying that you were talking that he fights at flyweight and he was weighing 165 off, you know, off season, you know, get that under control. Buddy. That's a hell of an off season. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, he improves. So to know, I'm I don't weigh 165 and I am no I would never sniff flyweight. So that's insane. That's really insane. So he improves to 17 and three with the win. Uh, the fight that Phil was referencing uh, prior to this with Kate, was Caitlin Chukagian taking on Vivian Araujo at 125 pounds. So this was a fight that uh, many people were just uh, mystified by some of the scoring afterward. So the first round sees Araujo uh, landing the heavier strikes, uh, used a left hook that landed several times, but then it was Chukagian in the back half of the round finding her rhythm and landed in the clinch. Uh, yeah, she was she was landing like down the stretch here. It was a, it was a pretty close round. I, I think you could honestly go either way here. I scored it for Araujo in the second. Araujo gets her down and then moves to half guard, and she's going for this one arm guillotine. Gets to full mount, uh, but then lets go of the neck, and there's a scramble, and Chikagian is able to get out back to her feet and land some strikes at the end. And in between. Joe Rogan, he's getting some word from the truck. Did we just see a phantom tap? And Joe Rogan's just throwing this out there. So the whole audience is like, oh, boy, what do we have here? Is this another Fabricio Verdum situation? They show the replay. I, I hardly took this to be um, a, a controversy. I mean, if you really want to uh, argue it, I, I guess you could try to. But I don't know. The, the video evidence to me was, was not enough to really... Uh, convict Chukagian here no but it certainly was the most dramatic point in the fight it was <laughs> the closest that we were to getting a finish i just love that it's it's joe too that they go to with like the, the theory it's <laughs> the like, conspiracy hey, joe. theory hey joe <laughs> this shadow look at this shadow <laughs> i saw i know like the code like they tell him like joe possible tap and his <laughs> eyes just light up give me the footage so the third round, um, an easy round for Chikagian. This was uh, definitely her best round here. She landed a left high kick. The eye was swelling for Araujo. Just a great round overall for her striking. So we go to the scorecards. Now, before we go to the judges' scorecards, how did you score the fight, Phil? 
Please don't so, say it was 30-27 for Chukagan. No. So I had it Arujao, uh two rounds to one. I gave her the first two. Um, but those were close rounds. The second one is a bit harder to give to Chukagian because of the time she spent on bottom. But when she did get up, um, she clearly looked fresher and did land some damage. Um, so I thought that, uh, yeah, the first two I gave to Arujao, and then the third I gave to Chukagian. Well, we completely agreed. I had the first okay. two for Arujo and the third to Chukagian. I would have been fine 29-28 in either direction, um, which is like what they had here. The, 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 it was a unanimous decision for Chukagian, who got two 29-28s and then the 30-27. And I think it was the 30-27 that people had the harder time uh, digesting. I mean, if you really want to go out on a I, – I just felt like – Man, she she was mounted and had like a deep submission in, in the second. Uh, that that to me was a, a tough score. Twenty nine, twenty eight. I can stomach. That was fine. It was a close fight, but honestly, Phil, for this flyweight division, like I I don't think Chukagian. I don't know how many wins she could rack up that would earn her a rematch with Valentina Shevchenko. It's like they brought it up in in the fight. I mean, this is a woman that has been competing in the UFC for years and has not. Every single one has gone a decision. Like it's a it's a tough um, situation once you've had that title fight to build yourself back there, and it's not like you're gonna have people beating the doors down demanding another title fight for Caitlin Chukagian. Yeah, she's in terms of her style, it kind of reminds me of Holly Holm. Um, in term, like she has the ability to use foot, effective footwork to keep range, and it often leads to not terribly exciting fights. Now, Holly Holm does have some highlight real knockouts. Chukagian doesn't have those. And Holly Holm has a big fan base. And Chukagian doesn't have that either. So uh, I, I agree. Unless one of those two things changes, um, she will not be getting a title shot anytime soon. I thought it was a decent fight, though. I wasn't uh, I wasn't bored during this fight. Um, but there we go. That was uh, the outcome there. The opener. Shane Burgos and Edson Barbosa. This one promised uh, to provide fireworks, and it did not. Uh, it did not disappoint. The first round, Barbosa is immediately going for leg kicks. This guy, the the speed of these are just cannons. He is firing off. Burgos is coming back. He's landing big shots, and Barbosa's eye starts to swell. Barbosa goes for a spinning wheel kick that's, and then staggers Burgos with a shot, lands another counter, just a fantastic round. Into the second, Barbosa is going with spin kicks to the body. Burgos shooting for low calf kicks on Barbosa. And then Barbosa hits his left hook to the body, goes up top, and my God, the the intent that this man was throwing with. He was trying to send this guy's head into the bleachers of the Toyota Center. And then we have the third with this unbelievable finish where Barbosa lands a right hand. It's like a, a left-right combination on Burgos. And Burgos like eats the shots and then he's backing up and it's like this delayed reaction. And as he's stumbling back, he crashes into the cage and he's done. It's over. It was like um it was like if you're on uh like a bad Wi-Fi connection and you're talking to someone and it pauses and then it catches up and the feed then dies afterwards. That's what this was. 
That's why. Yeah. Some so, some of the uh, Discord users ha- said it was like a, a video game controller, like being unplugged. Uh, I sort of had it. It reminded me of like a transformer running out of juice. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it was a one-of-a-kind uh, finish that uh, we have... I've never seen anything like that. I mean, you've seen people get hit and then, you know, take a step and get wobbled. But he was, like, fine. And then he just shut down completely. It was... It's usually it was, the body shot where you see that delayed reaction. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, this this was just, you know, a clean shot to, to the head. Um, you know, he was upright afterwards. It's not like there was a, where was a concern about him. Um, but it ends at 116 of the third round. Uh, Edson Barbosa, uh, proclaimed that, uh, he loves fighting at featherweight and said he is three and zero at featherweight. Um, I guess taking his split decision loss to Dan Ige, uh, rather hard. <laughs> he would be two and one, but nonetheless, three and oh, what, what's the difference? Uh, this was great. This uh, I will spoil Don't it for you know everyone. This what's his face is undefeated still. Uh, Sugar Sean, he's a, he, he has no losses either. That's true. That's true. All these these wins and losses they're negotiable. Uh, <laughs> this did in fact get the fight of the night bonus uh, for seventy five thousand dollars each. I'm not going to disagree with that. This to me was a fight of the year contender. I thought this fight was incredible for the time it lasted. Yeah, I mean, this one had uh, everybody excited going into it. Burgos has been in some incredible, exciting uh, fights. And, of course, Barbosa has an incredible history of going against every killer that you can imagine. And it's great to see him on a run. I I think they're going to try to put him in a big fight to get him in a title shot as quickly as possible, if if he can, because he's such an exciting fighter. He's the type of guy you want in, in big main events. And like Charles Oliveira, this guy's been fighting in the UFC since 2010, which is remarkable. Incredible. So the undercard featured some interesting outcomes, uh, starting with uh, Andre Muniz defeating Jacare Souza with this arm bar that was one of the most frightening things you're going to see this year. Um, He had come in stating that he was... He was not afraid to grapple uh, with Sosa. And then Jacare gets a takedown off the fence. He's dropping right hands. And then uh, it's it's uh, Munez. How do you pronounce his last name? Do you recall? I was I, saying Munez. Munez? I'm butchering it probably. But he gets his For own takedown. For once, I'm not the one destroying the names. Well, they, uh, they had an alternate pronunciation here. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, Munez gets his back, uh, but he's shaken off by Jacare, but his arm is there, almost like posted on it, and he takes the arm and just snaps it. And I'm not exaggerating when I say snaps it. They felt, uh, the UFC production thought, you know what? You know what this audience needs? About 4,000 replays of this, and we'll get the sound for everyone to hear at home of this (laughs) arm going snap, crackle, pop. This was absolutely brutal. If you thought that Frank Mir, Tim Sylvia, if that made you squeamish, this will push you over the ledge. 359 of the first round. Everyone's on focus. Like, yes, Jacare, this is his first submission loss of his MMA career. Um, That's an incredible feat for Andre Munez. Absolutely. And, you know, I... 
the way he did it as well, like he was, he was doing very well with his grappling throughout the first round. So, uh, you know, it, the situation was unfortunate because, you know, in a scramble, Jacare's arm got trapped in there, but Munez was, you know, smart enough to recognize it and immediately, uh, attacked it mercilessly. And yeah, it, it snapped and it, it was brutal. Uh, I heard it the second it happened, and I was yeah. like, it was kind of like, yeah, it was pretty disturbing. I was sort of surprised nobody else did, but yeah, everybody caught up, and everybody's heard it now. So, unlike Tony Ferguson, I do think this is the end of Jacare in the UFC. Yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the releases, uh, you know, people like Yoel Romero, um, it, it definitely falls in line with that. A, a, a tough way to go, a brutal injury. Um, the last fight wasn't a great one either. Um, so really tough run, uh, tough end to this run potentially for Jacare, who was so close to, you know, at one point, many considered him to be the best uh, middleweight in the world. Um, you know, Myself but- included. I think there was a time that, um, you know, when you look at that fight, you, you bring up Yoel Romero when those two fought uh, in 2015. And, you know, you had the, the fence grab in there. And I thought if Jacare had won that fight, um, that that propels him to a title fight. And there was there was several years where I think you put Jacare in there with whoever the 185 pound champion was. I thought there was a very good chance that Jacare would have become champion. He was so close to it, but just never, never was able to get that get that opportunity to fight for the title in UFC. Yeah, it, it was a real shame that just, you know, he came up short in, in some key moments. And, you know, he also kind of had run like a little bit later in his career, not during his prime mm-hmm. years. And I think that that held him back as well. Um, but an incredible, you know, MMA fighter, an incredible jujitsu competitor, uh, a real legend. Um, I don't know where this sit, where he sits though, and you know, in in UFC history, is he a Hall of Famer? I don't, I, I don't know about that. But um, in terms of MMA, if there was an MMA Hall of Fame, absolute. Lando Venata defeated Mike Grundy by split decision. So we had scores of thirty twenty seven for Venata, thirty twenty seven for <laughs> Grundy, twenty nine twenty eight. Lando Venata gets the win. Um, this this was a, a fight that uh, probably raised the most ire of people online uh, based on this 30-27 scorecard for Mike Grundy. Um, I had it 29-28 for Venata. Um, did you score all three rounds for Mike Grundy? <laughs> no, I didn't. I actually <laughs> scored all three rounds for Lando Venata. Um, although I think Grundy had some some moments. He 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 had he he did a good the 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 commentators were being critical of him and his strategy, but he, cause he was having such a tough time getting it to the ground, but where he was doing okay was if he would take a step back, um, and then fake a little bit faint, like he's going to shoot, he could land an overhand a bit in this fight. So that was working for him. And he was trying to go Especially back in, to in the second round. I thought like his striking work best for him, like in the first round, he goes for nine takedowns in that first round. He gets two of them. Uh, but that yeah, they were very critical of this this game plan and kind of just being too forthright with his takedown attempts. Yeah, and then and then he wasn't being aggressive enough with the striking, but he needed to sit back to land his strikes. So I, he was in he was just in a tough spot where 
his wrestling wasn't effective and he wasn't as good of a striker. So he had to do with the best in a bad situation. He had good cardio, but uh, Lando Venata looked good uh, in his debut at 145. He he's sort of faded in fights. This one, he he his cardio looked great throughout. He looked sharp with his striking. Uh, I'm excited, and he's young. He's he's not that old, despite you know what seems like a lifetime in the UFC. Yeah, I mean he's had some incredibly exciting fights over the years, and he's just been one of those fighters. It's win loss, win loss. He just hasn't been able to build any momentum at lightweight. So hopefully the move down to featherweight, like to your point, he's 29. So he said this was the best weight cut of his UFC career. So if that was the case, um, featherweight is that that's great for him. Like he wasn't a giant lightweight by any stretch. So, uh, he wins the fight here. One judge puzzled i guess that lando venata got got the win but the the right person uh got the the victory here i think more will be focused on like the scoring of this like mike grundy had like a fine fight it was like you know i i think there's there was a little bit too much uh criticism like he 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 fought like a good fight here it was just uh he did not win all three rounds Jordan Wright versus Jamie Pickett at middleweight. Uh, this one did not last long. Uh, we had Wright land a knee to the body and then drilled Pickett with elbows to the side of the head and just unloaded on him, hit knees from the clinch and just chased him down. And there's an uppercut and knee that finally puts Pickett down and he's finished with hammer fists in all of one minute and four seconds. Yeah, a uh, really impressive performance by uh, Jordan Wright, who seems to have a habit of finishing fights very quickly. I think what more than what almost ten of his fights have ended in the first round or so. Um, a very polite interview afterwards, um, but uh, pretty interesting. I, I mean, obviously, was, not was this the, the best? Was this the best post-fight interview of the night? Because I would like to know what you thought was the worst post-fight interview of the night. Uh, the, I didn't quite understand what Benil Dariush was saying. Like he was, I I know what he was saying. He said he he wanted to thank Jesus Christ. He wanted to, he then wanted to make a statement against Marxist ideology. Then he wanted to call out Elon Musk. (laughs) <laughs> Here's my advice. Here's my advice, okay? Because I don't think this is all just coming off the top of his head. I think like there was a concerted thought of what will I do with my post-fight speech? If you are that fighter, you have an inner circle, all right? Go to some of your trusted confidants and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking after I win the biggest fight of my career. And if they are true friends, they will be the ones to say, Benil, not only is that really weird, it's not funny at all. It's not strategic. It's not funny. It's just a bad speech. You could do better. Okay, <laughs> thanks, guys. And then he capped it off by after the, all of this. He then announced after this gigantic win. It's like his seventh in a row. I'm also taking time off too. Maybe till the yes. end of the year. Maybe next year. It's like wow. There, whatever momentum you have gotten from this Tony Ferguson fight. You are bound and determined to make it as fleeting as possible. Um, also, also, how about the non-request for a title shot? You know, in my next fight, give me a shot that's going to lead me 
to a chance at fighting for the title, please. You know, call when me. I come back. When when yeah. I come back. You know, you're in the co-main. It's a title shot. Ask for a title shot. You're not gonna get it, of course, but that's what you ask for, so you get it the next time. <laughs> so that's some interesting speeches. <laughs> and then we had Andrea Lee versus Antonina Shevchenko at 125 pounds. Uh in the first round, uh Shevchenko threw a kick and then ate this big left hand. Lee got uh, these underhooks and got a trip takedown. And then in the second, there's a series of throws by Lee who gets side control, then moves to a crucifix, gets the mounted triangle, and then goes to her back for a triangle. And she has this locked on for like four minutes. She's throwing elbows. Shevchenko is just trying to survive. She's not in a great position, but she's, it's also not super deep at this point, but she's not getting out of it. Then finally, with seconds to go, Andrea Lee extends the arm back and Shevchenko taps with eight seconds to go in the second round. And Andrea KGB Lee gets the submission victory. Yeah, um, it, it sort of reminded me of a triangle submission we saw a few weeks ago. I forget somebody couldn't get the triangle because their heel wasn't able to go over the shoulder. And it was a similar situation here. Andrea Lee was able to eventually fight to that position and actually looked like she was going to get the submission. But uh, Antonina did a really good job of defending. And then I guess once once uh, KGB heard you know that there was not a lot of time left, she got a lot more aggressive with the submission attacks and yeah, got that uh, arm bar. It was, it was great. And then just quickly, the early prelims. Uh, I only saw the top fight, which was uh, Priscilla Kichuera defeating Gina Mazzani by TKO at 451 of the second round. Mazzani won the first round, largely controlling her on top. And then in the second, it looked like she was going for the same strategy and Mike Beltran st- stood them up. And then all of a sudden, Kechuera came to life and just destroyed her on her feet and just unloaded. Um, Mazzani went up against the cage and we got a stoppage late in the second round at 451 of round number two. And that was preceded by uh, Tucker Lutz defeating Kevin Aguilar by unanimous decision, 30-27 and a pair of 29-28s. And Christos Giagos submitting Sean Soriano, who's a training partner of Michael Chandler, with a Bravo choke at 59 seconds of, of the second round. And this got him a performance of the night bonus along with Charles Oliveira. So we got the performance of the nights were bookending this card. Yeah, it was a good opener, a uh, good comeback in that fight by uh, Jagos. So uh, if you've got a chance, I would even recommend uh, you uh, take a gander. Hot crowd again to start the night. They they were into it right away. Yeah, this was um, uh this was a boisterous Houston crowd, over sixteen thousand people, and a gate of four point one one million dollars. So this was a gigantic night for the UFC. They're doing okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, that was the card, uh, Phil. Yeah. What do you think uh, overall? Like overall as a as a show tonight, I thought a very there were some very entertaining fights on this on this card. Yeah, I mean you you had you had three fights that on paper were looked incredibly exciting and they were all on the main card. It turned out that the the co-main event wasn't quite as exciting as you we wanted, but uh you know the main event and the the Burgos fight with uh um Barbosa, I mean those were incredible. 
uh, really entertaining scraps. And then you had really exciting fights before that. I mean, Jacare, uh, the Venata fight. So a, a good card, not huge names, but people were looking forward to it. And it delivered in terms of action, I thought. So coming up uh, next weekend is Rob Font versus Cody Garbrandt headlining uh, the next Fight Night card. And after that, we are going to be back on June the 12th with UFC 263. And 262's loss was 263's gain because this is where Nate Diaz is scheduled to fight Leon Edwards. Main card has uh, Israel Adesanya against Marvin Vittori, a rematch from 2018 when Adesanya only won by split decision. Devison Figueredo versus Brendan Moreno for the flyweight title, a rematch of one of the best fights of last year. Uh, Diaz and Edwards, Damian Maya against Bilal Muhammad. I really like this fight. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, very strong likelihood this is going to be uh, Damian Maya's last fight. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a typical matchup uh, for him. You know, usually he does well in this scenario. An up and coming guy, he's able to sort of just out grapple him. But it hasn't been going that way for him lately. Um, I like that it's not a striker uh, he's going in there with. Um, and it's somebody who's going to push him in the last round if he can make it that long. So uh, I really like this fight as well. Yeah. Um, just look at the prelims. There's a really important fight between Joanne Calderwood and Lauren Murphy. The winner of that fight could very well be next for Valentina Shevchenko. Um, in fact, I would assume it would be. Uh, so that's uh, some of the highlights. Um, your your favorites are, are fighting on the undercard as well. You've got uh, Chase Hooper, Frank Camacho. Macho Camacho. Yeah. So there you go. That is UFC 263. Um, what is the plan, Bill? Are we doing uh, calls yeah. Yeah, we do have a couple of callers. Uh, so uh, right now we got our usual uh, number one. Uh, it is uh, one uh, John Fury uh, three sixteen. John F- Fury, uh, what's the bottom line on UFC two sixty two? Uh the okay card. Considering I was looking forward to Nate Diaz, uh, Leon Edwards, but I guess I have to watch that next month. I mean. Have you ever seen more of an excited guy winning a title than Charles Oliveira tonight? Wow. He was very happy. He should be. He should be. It's been a long road for him, but the man was ecstatic, yes. So I'm assuming he's going to fight the winner of Connor Dustin next? You should never assume matchmaking, but that would make the most logical sense, yes. So would you match then Chandler Gaethje and, the, and then for the number one contender for after that match? Uh, I don't think you even have to wait for that match. I I would book Chandler and Gaethje next. Yeah, yeah, that's Chandler. what I meant. Like you do, yeah. maybe on the same card of the or whatever. Maybe even book that like right away. Like maybe in the Connor card, they can book that that Chandler Gaethje match. I don't think you do it that quickly. I mean, you've also got to remember for Michael Chandler, he's gone from you know he pretty much had to put in a camp to be the backup uh, last year. And then you went into the Dan Hooker fight, and then this fell into his lap. I mean, he's pretty much had three, you know, he's had to make weight three times in a row. I would imagine you give him a bit of a bit of a break. But I, I would say, like, in the fall, you shoot for Chandler and Gaethje. I think that is definitely a fight to make. Yes. So thank you so much uh, for the call, John Fury 316. Uh, do we have our other caller, if they can let us know in the channel by reacting, and I'll put you on the air. 
or are you ready to go? One Brandon from New Jersey. You're on the air. How are you doing, Brandon? All right. I guess Brandon isn't there after all. No, Brandon. Okay. All right. <laughs> so that's our callers. Thanks for the calls, guys. Um, <laughs> well, that's going Brandon. to wrap up the show. Then that is uh, that. That is the end. It wouldn't be a show without uh, Brandon standing us up. So thank you as always, Brandon. Um, but Phil, thank you as always for for manning the ship. We will be back. We are live uh, after every. Actually, oh, John, I do have one more thing that I do want to announce. Uh, I almost forgot. Um, I know you are a big fan of. Uh, network television dramas. And uh, I wonder, have you ever seen the show Twin Peaks? No, I have not. Okay, well, it's one of my favorite shows. My avatar in the Discord is one Laura Palmer, who is an important character in that show. And we actually have some other members of the Discord who are big fans as well, one of which being Chris from Ottawa, a.k.a. Hacksaw Jim Powers. And so him and I are going to be having a Discord watch-along Twin Peaks Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific time. We Pacific. are going to be, yes, like the Pacific Northwest, like the location of, of one. Uh, I like Twin it. Peaks. I like it. Uh, Nine o'clock Eastern. Yes. That, that's right. Yes. I don't know what it is in UTC. So that's a bit contentious. Uh, but uh, we'll be going week by week. We'll be going through one episode. Uh, the, 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 we'll go through the original series. We're going to watch the movie and then the return. So uh, hopefully it won't take uh, too long, uh, about a year or so uh, in terms <laughs> of weeks. Uh, yeah, but, you know, reasonable fun. And if you miss a week, you can always catch up and get the other one. And we're going to be starting this Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So just join us for a, for a, a friendly, spoiler-free watch-along and uh, explore the fun world of uh, Twin Peaks. Well, for those that are maybe listening to the, the podcast that aren't in the Discord, how, how can they follow along with this on Thursdays? Yeah, so you just have to join the Discord, which is completely free. So go to postwrestling.com slash Discord. And then once you set it up, we have uh, open voice channels. Discord allows you not only to communicate with text, but also to communicate via voice. And so uh, right as uh, John and I are doing right now, so you just hop in and uh, you'll need your own copy of the show somehow. We're not streaming it, so uh, we're all watching it along together. Um, but uh, it should be a, a really great time, I think. I think we're going to have a blast. All right. We'll check that out. That's starting this Thursday? This Thursday at 6 p.m. Pacific time. All right. Well, that that's a super cool idea. So check all of that stuff out. And, yes, we're live here after every UFC pay-per-view. Uh, you can join us on Saturday, June 12th, when we're back after UFC 263. Uh, thank you to everyone that participated in the Discord chat. It's always the most enjoyable way to follow a UFC pay-per-view with all the other post-Discord participants. And that's going to wrap up the show. For Phil Chair Talk, I am John Pollock, and thank you for tuning in to our UFC 262 post-show. <laughs>